Shady's back. <laughs> That's right, Jacob's back. And tonight, we are so glad you could join us as Jacob talks about some not bad ghosts, nice ghosts, ghosts not being dicks. That's what we're talking <laughs> about tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob, how the fuck are you doing, buddy? I am good and tired. How are you? <laughs> the same. I am the same. You've been real busy with your new gig, huh? Super busy. Super, super busy. Yeah. I've been rescuing kittens from trees and, uh, you know, then giving them to Chinese restaurants. You get a trombone for that. <laughs> you get a trombone for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only because you're a cat fan. Well, yeah. Yeah. There's like a bunch of them running around here. Yeah. And how you know all their names? Yeah. Two of them were born on my lap. It's gross. Now it was. It was actually very <laughs> disgusting, but it's true. They were born literally on my lap. And you didn't get rid of them? No. I couldn't. Oh. They were born on you my could. lap. How do I get rid of them? A, a bathtub for one. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, before we lose the rest of our fans. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Tell us about some ghosts not being dicks, buddy. All right. Throughout all the stories we have covered, the spirits have usually had one thing in common. They usually have dickish tendencies. If you're anything like me, you probably have asked the question, do spirits ever give the dick a tree a rest? Well, tonight I have some stories that may answer that question. So, the first one, uh, I I think it is spirits, but like some people might point at mental illness, I think it's spirits. So, the title of this story was Voices in Head Diagnosed Tumor. Oh, actually, I think I know this one. This is a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. So, in 1984... A woman was sitting at home reading when she suddenly heard a voice in her head clearly say, please don't be afraid. I know this may be shocking for you to hear me speaking to you like this, but it's the easiest way I could think of. My friend and I used to work at Children's Hospital, Great Ormond Street. We would like to help you. After a series of medical tests, including psychological testing, the patient was diagnosed with a large benign... Meningoma, which is brain tumor. The voice continued to speak to her throughout her medical testing. After she had surgery to remove the tumor, she heard the voices one last time. After regaining consciousness, she heard them say, We are pleased to have helped you. Goodbye. She reportedly had no post-surgery problems and never heard the voices again. I think that's a pretty cool story. Like, yeah, there's that. the The theory for that is that it was her tumor actually causing the voices, like a schizophrenic or, or multiple personality situation. But while it does have some of some similarities to such a thing, it doesn't have enough of the hallmarks, in my opinion, to be that. Yeah, exactly. Like. There's been some stories I've read where spirits will specifically speak to someone in someone's head. 
whether it's to be usually dicks, but like the fact that she heard it after the tumor was removed. Right. It's a big one. Yeah, it's like I said, it doesn't have the hallmarks of any of your normal mental issue, which can be caused by a brain tumor. Do not get me wrong. A brain yeah. tumor can cause all kinds of havoc to your mental state. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Duh. But, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, that one's a fascinating one where it, it was the voices were directing her to get checked out, telling her, hey, you have a brain tumor. You need to get it looked at. Like, yeah, that is just kind of a cool story. Yeah, I always I always like that one. I've read it a few times on Facebook and then. Mm -hmm. I found it again when I was like, hey, are there any not dicks ghosts? And by golly, that one popped up. Yeah. So this next one, well, you can't blame it on mental illness because several people have had the same experience. Fairmont Springs Hotel in British Columbia. It was built in 1888. This hotel has a few unique employees here you can experience a legendary hospitality as long as you don't get too scared so there's this it's said to be the ghost of 1960s bellman sam mccauley but he's a helpful spirit and he's on hand at the Fairmont to assist guests by carrying their bags, helping them to their rooms, and even turning the lights on for them. Avenue Calgary recounts the story of two women who couldn't get their room key to work. Sam, wearing his period Bellman uniform, appeared and opened the door for them. Then, there's a bride who isn't helpful, but she's quite interesting. Allegedly, she somehow tripped on the stairs, may have caught her dress on fire, and died on the staircase. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it was supposed to be like a, she either tripped on the stairs, or she caught on fire, and then died on the staircase? I don't know. If all three. that <laughs> She damn. tripped, caught fire, and died. <laughs> wow. Yep. She tripped on fire while being on fire. She was having a bad day. Tripped on the stairs that were on fire and died. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. a bad day. That's a bad fucking day. On your wedding day? <laughs> Put that in your song, Alanis Morissette. Because <laughs> uh, it's Canadian. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it ironic? No, those things are unfortunate, not ironic. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so um yeah she still has a very occasional appearance um and then crack max which is a guest who has been there several times says there's a headless bagpipe player how how do you play the bagpipes with no head hell if i know it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's talent. That's talent right there. <laughs> Such antics might drive one to drink, but no worries. There's also a ghost bartender who assists tipsy guests. I have seen The Shining. That's not a good idea. <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I, when I was typing this out. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, he uh, if someone starts getting too drunk, 
he'll come up and talk to them. And if they go to fall off their, uh, their stool, bar stool, whatever it is, he catches them and he'll make sure they stay on their feet until they can get assisted out. I mean, that's nice of him. Yeah. I know the rest of us really hate taking care of drunk people. Oh, I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about Charles Lindbergh? You know him. Yeah. He lost his baby. <laughs> ah, these things happen. <laughs> it was the 20s, of course. <laughs> so, aviator Charles Lindbergh made history in 1927 when he accomplished the first nonstop flight from New York to Paris completely alone. Or was he? Not until 1953, when he wrote The Spirit of St. Louis, did Lindbergh reveal that he definitely had company on his flight over the Atlantic Ocean. And they were not of this world. Admittedly, admittedly, Lindbergh had been in the air for a full 22 hours when he sensed the presence of others in the cockpit who spoke to him. But... Although USA Today claims the pilot was unable to recall precisely what they said, student scholar Denise Turner says Lindbergh claimed the spirits told him messages of importance unattainable in ordinary life and that he would later remember them. Disciples of the Flight notes that Lindbergh had been up for over 40 hours and feeling exhausted when the visions occurred. He also had not eaten. Writers Peter Sudfield and John Geiger, Geiger submit that the aviator was under enough stress to produce a sensed presence experience. So were the ghosts who conversed with Lindbergh as he made his historic flight real or not? Only the aviator knew for sure. Yeah, I would say that largely depends on what exactly they were telling him. Yeah, unobtainable as... Yeah. Yeah. Lack of sleep. (laughs) I know know better than anyone. fucked up shit to you. It will cause hallucinations. Mm Mm-hmm. So this next story, I had to have fun with it, and I named it Not So Honest Abe. Uh Uh-oh. Not Abe. 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 (laughs) So, one of America's most famous presidents is also one of our most famous ghosts. Though he's said to haunt Ford's theater where he was shot, Lincoln also supposedly haunts the White House to this day. Not only that, but he's seen by some pretty famous people. Mary Todd Lincoln reported seeing and feeling his presence, and there was supposedly a photograph of him watching over her. More than Winston Churchill, Teddy Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt, and many other White House staff has seen his ghost or felt him watching, and a few have even conversed with him. One tale describes an evening where British Prime Minister Winston Churchill took a long hot bath while relaxing with scotch and a cigar. This man knew how to bathe. Yeah, that that's a bath right there. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't like baths. I've never tried it with a scotch and a cigar. You need to. Maybe I should. Because <laughs> I've, I've enjoyed a hot tub like that. And, oh, it makes it very, 
Yep, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> when he got out of the bath and walks to the adjoining bathroom butt naked, he catches a glimpse of Lincoln's ghost standing by the fireplace. Winston Churchill says, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have caught me at a disadvantage. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the Brits for that kind of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lincoln smiled softly as if laughing and then disappeared. Churchill turned red with embarrassment. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's a peeping Abe. Peeping Abe. <laughs> Abe, damn it, Abe. <laughs> this one was a pretty cool one. Like, one of the most successful speakeasies of the era was Frank's Place on the cliffs at Moss Beach. Built by Frank Torres. Why does that sound familiar, Ben? It doesn't to me. Really? Frank Torre, Torres? Torres. 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 I'm not ringing any bells, bud. Mm. Well, it was built by him in 1927. Frank's became a popular night spot for silent film stars and politicians from the city. Mystery writer Dashiell Dashiell Hammett frequented this place and used it as a setting for one of his detective stories. I bet it was the kind of detective story where they call girls dames. Oh, most likely. It's the 20s. Uh, you gotta call them dames. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the restaurant located on the cliff above a secluded beach was the perfect location to benefit from the clandestine clandestine bless you, activities of Canadian rum runners under cover of darkness and fog, illegal whiskey. It just said rum. Make up your mind. Illegal <laughs> whiskey was landed on the beach, dragged up a steep cliff, and loaded into waiting vehicles to transport to San Francisco. Some of the booze always found its way into the garage underneath Frank's place. Frank Torres used his excellent political and social connections to operate a highly successful, if not illegal, business. Unlike many of the other speakeasies along the coast, Frank's place was never raided. So that's pretty cool. With the repeal of the prohibition in 1933, Frank Torres remained in the food service business as one of the most successful restauranters along the San Mateo County coastside. Frank's place, now called the Moss Beach Distillery, still retains some spectacular views and secluded location above the ocean coves. The distillery also retains one of Frank's former customers as well. Its resident ghost, the Blue Lady, still haunts the premises, trying to recapture the romance and excitement of Frank's speakeasy years. The story of the Blue Lady was documented on the TV program Unsolved Mysteries, and you know millions of people have seen that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, 
The Moss Beach Distillery is well known for the famous ghost, the Blue Lady. And uh, the legend of the Blue Lady was presented on Unsolved Mysteries. And yeah, everyone saw it. According to the ghostly coastside legend, some 72 years ago, probably more now, a beautiful young lady met by chance a handsome yet dangerous man and fell in love with him. This sophisticated ladies' man was a piano player at the bar. The naive young woman, always dressed in a blue dress, was already married to another, but her unsuspecting husband never knew of the illicit affair. She made many trips to the restaurant to be with her lover. The beautiful lady in blue was reportedly killed while walking on the beach below the restaurant with her lover. He was assaulted but survived. It is here at the distillery you will still find her searching for her lover. I have actually heard of this story a couple of times and I've heard of a few different ways she met her demise. So this says she was assaulted and killed on the beach. Mm. When she was with him, one story I heard is he was like, he found out she was married and was like, nope, you were done. So she dove off the cliff, Mm -hmm. killed herself. And yeah, um, uh, as she was walking on the beach and her husband found out and killed them both. Yeah, that that would kind of make the most sense. Yeah. So <clears throat> many strange events have been documented since this time that cannot be explained, such as mysterious phone calls from no one, levitating checkbooks, locked rooms from the inside with no other means of entry, women diners diners losing one earring, and then they are found all together in one place that nobody has access to weeks later or no customer has access to um, date tampering and computers sightings by small child children. Now what makes her a good ghost is when kids get too close to the cliffs because apparently they don't fence that off because they have really good insurance or something. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. <laughs> Pretty much. But little kids will get close to the cliffs and the blue lady, she will appear to them and walk them back to their parents. But only the kids can see her. Well, I suppose that's nice. Yeah. Stealing earrings, not so much, but, you know, protecting the kids, that's that's nice. That's a good thing to do. That's a good thing to do. All right. It's been my experience that every hospital has a ghost or two, although it seems that only certain people ever see them. I think part of this is because you need to be open to see them, and maybe part of it is luck. I'm just lucky, I guess. In every hospital I in which I've worked, I've encountered at least one ghost, sometimes two, some of them peaceful, kind presences, the kind you suspect could be looking out for you and then there are the angry or malevolent spirits 
I've encountered a few of those too. Fortunately, the majority of ghosts I have encountered are relatively benign presences. My first nursing job was in an older hospital and its own with its own diploma program. I was the first BSN, which is what, Ben? That is the Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. That's a specific degree for nursing. Yeah. First BSN ever hired in that hospital, and they had very little idea of what to do with me. So they just threw me in and let me sink or swim the same way they seem to do with the diploma grads who invariably swam. Clearly, I wasn't cutting it. I was sinking and sinking fast. We'd had about eight hours a week of clinical when I was in school. And the reality of having eight patients and having meds to pass, dressing to change, and treatments to give totally overwhelmed me. I was certain I was the dumbest nurse who ever walked the face of the earth and terrified that I might forget something or miss something or do something wrong that would irreparably harm my patients. I cried all the way to work every night. I was so frightened, and then I cried all the way home in the mornings. The nurse assistant and the LPNs... <clears throat> go ahead, Ben. An LPN is a licensed practical nurse. That is the first step to nursing. Yeah. Were the ones who took pity on me and showed me some of the things I needed to know. Not all, because they had their own assignments to do, but some. The charge nurses just complained to the manager, whose name was Ruby, about my ignorance. I was particularly... It was a particularly awful evening shift. I had eight patients, all of them sick, and no LPN to help me with the treatments or and PRN meds. PRN means as needed meds. Look at how smart Ben is, everyone. <laughs> I do have a nurse for a girlfriend, so I hear these things all the time. And, you know, a little behind the scenes, we had to call her to make sure what PRN meant. <laughs> you couldn't just take the credit, Ben? No, I can't. I just can't. Okay. I'm too well, honest for all that. Ben yes. still is smart, everyone. We did call her in for the PRN one. We did. Uh, just me and a nursing assistant. Shirley was good. Not Shirley. Shirley, she was good. And please don't <laughs> call me Shirley. <laughs> How good is Airplane, though? That is the best movie ever. <laughs> well, maybe not that good, but it is uh it is up there if you want to chuckle. Oh, it's wonderful. I love the old pilot. Mm, man, I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, I just remember some of the stupid jokes. He's in uh one of those spoof movies, uh I, a scary movie four or something, or like disaster movie or something like that. It's it's the one making fun of War of the Worlds. I think it's three. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, but he's the president in that. And you see his old wrinkly man butt. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> now I understand uh, why you liked it. Yeah. Shirley was good, but she wasn't enough to make up for the knowledge and skills that I lacked. I ran all night just trying to keep my head above water. And when I got the message that night that the nurse wasn't coming in for some reason... 
and I'd have to stay overnight. I actually broke down and cried in the bathroom so no one could see me, but I doubt I fooled anyone. Please don't let me forget anything important or miss something obvious or kill someone. I implored to the heavens. Please help me get through this night. At 11 p.m., I picked up seven more patients and the N.A. went home. It was just me, an LPN who had the other team and an N.A. we shared with the ICU. To say I was terrified would be an understatement. Hourly check sheets, the evening charge nurse told me before she left, make sure you check each patient at least once an hour to make sure they're still breathing. It didn't sound too difficult, but in the midst of med passes and vital signs and urine tests, long before glucometers, gluco, glucometers, glucometers, okay, <laughs> and incontinence care, the sheet checks got shoved into the background. Incontinence, isn't that like infertility or? Incontinence is when you cannot hold your uh, waste product. Mm. You 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 pee and poop at random. Uh, you done shit yourself. Precisely. <laughs> the sheet checks got shoved to the background. I was in room one hanging an IV in the dark when an older nurse wearing an old-fashioned starched white uniform and a cap tit tip not tit-toed, tiptoed into the room and whispered Ruby. I think you'd better take a look at roommate. I didn't know who she was. I assumed she was the night shift nursing supervisor. I thanked her and rushed down to room eight where I found a little old lady who had been trying to climb out of bed over the side rails, tangled up in her sheets. The gown and the side rails were about to fall to the floor. I straightened that situation out and resumed my rounds. Again, the nursing supervisor found me and told me that I need to check on the patient in room six. By the time I got to the doorway, she was gone. But when I got to room six, I found a patient with a severe respiratory d distress. I assessed the patient, called the doctor, and did all the things that you're supposed to do. By the time I finished, it was 3 a.m., and I'd missed a couple of rounds on the check sheets. Flashlight in hand, I started to walk to the far end of the hall and checked my patients, all of whom miraculously were fine. In one room, I found an elderly woman wide awake, and when I checked on her, she said, Oh, you don't need to worry about me, dear. The other nurse had been checking on me every hour, just like clockwork. What other nurse? Not the NA from the ICU or the LPN from the other team of patients. I asked them both and they looked at me as if I was crazy. It must have been the nursing supervisor. But I got caught up with helping patient a patient to the bathroom, and I forgot about the other nurse. At 5 a.m., I was once again making rounds, sheet checks. This time, the elderly lady told me, Oh, you just missed the other nurse. She told me she was doing fine. Oh. The elderly lady, yeah, so a different uh, patient said, you dismissed the other nurse. She said I was doing fine. I wanted to thank the nurse who was helping me out, so I stepped out into the hall just in time to see her making her way into the last room on the hall. 
I rushed down the hall, hoping to catch her and thank her. But when I went into the patient's room, he was sound asleep and there was no other nurse, nor was there any place she should have gone or could have gone. It wasn't until that moment the hair on my hair on the back of my neck started to stand up. Careful questioning of the LPN elicited the information that there were stories about an older nurse who still made rounds on her patients 30 years after her death, but she put it down to scary stories on a slow shift. I didn't see the nurse again and didn't work a night shift again until Christmas Eve. Once again, I was overwhelmed and drowning, and the older nurse in the old-fashioned uniform and the starch cap came to get me and tell me there was brewing disaster with one of my patients. Only this time, I tried to follow her out of the patient room I was in. She disappeared when she got to the hallway. She just wasn't there. Later, I caught a glimpse of her walking into a patient's room on the far end of the hall. Again, I got to the room and no one was there. I was pretty convinced that the nursing supervisor, quote unquote, rounding on my patients wasn't real or wasn't really there. But I didn't want to say anything to my colleagues because I was afraid they would all think I was nuts, nuts or incompetent. On Christmas morning, our head nurse brought in homemade cinnamon rolls for both shifts. It was her tradition. She did it every year, and after I had given my report on my 15 patients, she beckoned me into her office and closed the door. I was worried about you, she said. You had a hard time catching on, but Martha gave you her seal of approval. Martha? Who's Martha? She silently reached into her desk drawer, pulled out a photograph of an older woman wearing the old-fashioned starched white uniform and cap, the same woman who had come to let me know every time one of the patients was in trouble. I don't suppose I had a poker face when I looked at that photograph. I probably looked just as shocked as I felt. Who is she? I asked. She came and got me when my patients needed help. Martha was the head nurse before before I got the job here, Ruby told me. She was my mentor. She was a very dedicated nurse. She never married, and her job was her life. She died here in this office about 30 years ago. There are those who say she still makes the rounds on her patients during the night shift. A few people claim to have seen her. I was too shocked to say anything, but Ruby went on. She's been helping you through your night shifts, hasn't she? Wordlessly, I nodded. Well, if Martha thinks you're worth helping out, you're going to be a good nurse someday. I only saw Martha one more time. She alerted me to a patient who was dying down the hall from me. Sometimes, though, my patients told me the other nurse just checked, me, checked on me or asked me who the other nurse was, and I would tell them she's my guardian angel. Maybe it was just because Ruby assured me it would happen, but one day... Things just clicked for me, and I felt like I got it. I still have bad shifts from here from time to time, but I was beginning to feel like a real nurse. Marginally competent, anyway. Martha stopped rounding on my patients then, and shortly hereafter, my husband got a job offer a thousand miles away, and I moved. I hope Martha is still taking pity on clueless BSNs, and helping them through their night shifts. The end. That's a great story. Isn't it? 
And like, I gotta tell you, like having an in with nurses and shit, I believe every fucking word of it. You hear yeah, a lot from- of creepy shit in medical facilities and ghost stories and this and that. And trust me when I say, folks, a nurse is a nurse, period. Like, it would not surprise me to have a lifelong nurse still haunting the halls of their workplace. But can you even call that haunting? I mean, yes. You can? Haunting is not inherently a negative thing. Just means hanging around. Well, I think we all need a Martha from time to time. That's real. Yeah. It's too bad that one guy killed her in an alley along with Batman's dad. <laughs> I don't remember that story. Where the hell was I for that one? Because <laughs> Martha, shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we thank you so very much for spending your time hanging out with us here on the Paranatural Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please don't forget to tell a friend. That is the fastest way to help us grow. Until next time, we love you. Good night. I have been absent for a bit, but I still love you. I assure you. Um, Good night. Keep listening. Make the podcast grow. Love you some more. Bye.